0: Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice. So welcome everybody for our last Practice Manager update webinar of the year. It's lovely that so many of you have joined us um, regularly. Um, and we know that a lot of you join us and um, listen to the podcast and watch the webinar afterwards. So over 300 of you each time. So as we've said before, we will carry on doing this as long as it's useful. Um, and we're really, really, really pleased that you are finding it um Andy, and as usual, we'll have sort of topical items, um, and hot things that we think are, are sort of fresh in our minds, but very happy to take any questions that you might have, um, that are sort of fresh in your mind that we might have not have thought of. And we're happy to answer any questions right here and now if we can, but we won't just sort of, um, blast our way through it. If we're really not sure, we'll take them away and then we'll answer them later for you. So I'm Louise Greenwood, Director of Education at um, Wessex LMCS. so I'm really pleased we've got Michelle Lombardi and Lisa Harding, our two Directors of Primary Care with us, and Dawn Chalcraft, our Deputy Director of Primary Care. So as I said, it will be recorded, audio podcast, and also a recorded webinar this time. It's got a few slides to show you. And if you can put any questions that you've got in the Q&A box, as I say, happy to answer them now, or we'll answer come to them later if we feel that we can't um, do them justice right now. So I'm going to kick off today, um, I think uh, we put out a, um, last time, we talked about a funded practice manager diploma. So we've got a little bit more information for you. So this is um, available to any of you or any of your staff who you think is appropriate, funded via the apprenticeship scheme. So I've got a few slides that I will run through. So I'm just going to share my screen now. So this is a level five management apprentice, apprenticeship scheme. Um, and it, we're working with Cheryl Simmons um, there's a company that a lot of you will recognise for a sort of very established company that has done training for practice managers over a number of years, and Thornfield, equally well established in the sort of primary care and um, training. And they're absolutely driving this, and they've just they've got it ready. Is this something that West East LMC's will be interested in publicising and advertising for our practice managers, operations managers, deputy managers, PCM managers? And we said, absolutely. And you can see they're rated good by Officer in of February 2022. So who the, who is the program for? So it's an ILM level five program for aspiring new or experienced practice managers, running over twenty months, fifteen highly interactive virtual classroom workshops, and anyone can be apprentice. In the old days, people thought you there were particularly strict rules about who could be an apprentice. Those have changed, so they are now available for anybody, and um, not just for younger or new employees to up upskill staff at any stage in their career will come on a, on a little bit more to that in just a second as i say it's funded by the apprenticeship levy which is big employers put 0.5% of their payroll to the HMRC, which can be then drawn down by educational providers like Cherry Simmons. And in this case, funds are coming through two sources: so Solent Apprenticeship and Skills Hub, Solent Business and Skills Solutions, and Ashford St Peter's Hospital Trust. So Cherry Simmons have got hold of the money for us, um, and it's not geographically restricted at all. So anybody from any of our patch can apply um, for this apprenticeship scheme. That's just a list of the subjects covered. I won't read them out, but obviously these slides will be available to you afterwards. It's very comprehensive. Um, just like just see for the podcast, I want to say a few of them. So just for um, the study skills, change management, time management, marketing, communication skills, appraisal objectives, project management, and there's various tutorials and an endpoint assessment also. So as I say, the work, the programme is delivered through live tutor-led online virtual workshops. There are 15 sessions. There's an essential self-study, ESS, and then there's progressive assessment. A lot of the apprenticeship terminology is about apprentice and the line manager. We all know that the apprentice might actually be could be a managing partner, um, could be a practice manager. So just because they're called an apprentice, that's just the terminology that they have to use on the system. And you need a line manager. So again, if you're a managing partner, you might not really have a line manager, but somebody else within your organisation will just need to sort of sign on the dotted line to say that they are supporting you to do this. And they will be mentoring you through when you need someone to just sign off various different things. So the learners must be allowed six hours per week overall to complete the programme. And this will cover workshops, assignments, um, and many actions already carried out by the learners also count towards the six hours. So the apprenticeship e- entry requirements, you do need to have GCSEs in O levels in English and maths. And if you don't, there is some help from the organisation to get you through those. So don't let that be a sort of a barrier to you if you actually haven't got all or, or the staff, the member that you'd like to put on this course doesn't have that at this particular moment. So there's the essential study skills, as we said, there's workbooks and you submit it. There's live tutor led virtual classrooms. Um, and it's, it's, it's very slickly done. They've done this many times before. Um, this progressive assessment evidence for marking and they will make this very clear as you go through. And there's a great learner handbook, which tells you absolutely everything you need, you need to know. That's just the learning management platform that they're using, where you submit all your information. And for every program, there's a schedule exactly when you're supposed to do something, what you're supposed to do, the timeline for it, and exactly what you're supposed to achieve. Part of your part of all the year will be the reflective assessment as you go. So the lead tutor will be liaising with you and your line manager. So as I say, it's important to have the name of a line manager who's going to be sort of on this journey with you. And we as Wessex LMSEs will be there for the the introductory day. And I would also like to introduce um, all the learners to our practice manager supporters to say, this is another group of people who can support you um, when you come out um, in in the workplace uh, um, from from the study. And as I say, there's an end-point assessment um, that comprises a project proposal, written project, 20 minute presentation and a professional discussion. And all of that um, will be fully funded for you. But if you wanted the diploma accreditation from the ILM, that would be a £459. Pounds. So you would have to definitely pay that. That isn't covered under the apprenticeship scheme. So that's literally a stop tour. I just wanted to give you a flavour and those of you on the call might be interested that. In hopefully you've got some people with you who also might be interested. There's more in depth than somebody, so Peter Waddell from Cherry Simmons will be on both the webinars coming up on Tuesday the 9th of January at 11 and Monday the 15th of January at 3.00. So do come to those um, and and find out a lot more because he will be able to give you the in-depth answers to things that I absolutely can't. And the start date for the whole diploma is the 6th of February at 930 so it'll be a six, um, 6th of February start, um, and as I say, anybody who's interested, we've got an enrolment form that will go straight to Cherith Simmons, we've got an um, email address, again, we'll go straight to Cherith Simmons, and um, we've got the Q&A sessions that are hopefully that you will come to if you're interested. Absolutely no commitment. If you just want to come to those, just find out more, that's absolutely fine. But as I say, we'll put all links to these, put the slides and put the enrolment forms up on the website. So, I hope that's the sort of first time I've been aware of something fully funded nationally for um, practice managers operations managers, aspiring managers, which I think is really exciting. Um, so they said to me that we need a minimum of 12. I think we're gonna get many more than 12. I've already had a number of you interested. So as I say, you can welcome to email me, um, but I am not. Going to, I will just pass your emails on to them because they know a lot more about it than I do. But I hope it's gonna be exciting and something really really to get your teeth into for the new year. And I think it's um, exciting to think that it'll be our managers learning together as a cohort. So although it's generic skills you'll be learning, all the case studies and all the application will be for general practice So it'll be a really exciting way of people learning together so that's that on that on that bit hopefully that'll be useful for you and as i say do ask me if you want any more queries at all on that okay michelle i think we're going to come to you now please about one of the surveys Thanks, Louise. So this is a
1: couple of surveys that we wanted just to highlight. And I know practices get a huge amount of requests for surveys, but these are surveys from the BMA and are seeking feedback from practices around uh, and to inform the negotiations going forward for 24-25. So the first uh, survey, uh, practices may have received this if they're BMA members, and it's in relation to the finance survey. And they're keen to hear from practices around the finances and how that's being impacted uh, within general practice you will need um, your practice set of accounts for 2122 and 2223 um, as, as well as expenditure data for october 2022 and october 23 uh, the bma have said it should take about 20 to 30 minutes to complete we did email all practice managers on our database. Um, on Monday. So hopefully you will have received that and it will be going out in our newsletter with the link. So I can, but I will pop the link in the chat for everybody to have a look at uh, in a second. So that's the first uh, survey and the closing date for that uh, survey is at midnight on the 3rd of January 2024. So I will pop the link in for that one. And then the second survey, which again, it will have gone to BMA members. However, this is for any GP, any fully qualified GP in England, including GP registrars and ST3s. Um, whether or not you're a BMA member. So this is about um, looking at the future of general practice and what that might look like, informing the discussions that are happening currently uh, in relation to the contract uh, and really keen, the BMA are really keen to hear from everybody uh, to help influence and uh, influence the negotiations. Um, the closing date for this particular survey is Sunday the 21st of January. And again, I'll pop the link into, uh, into our chat
0: for those. Thank you, Michelle. That's great. Um, Dawn, I think we're coming on to you now for the vaccination strategy.
2: Thanks, Louise. Um, Yes, I'm sure most of you will have seen this week uh, NHS England um, published. I say this week, it was actually last week now. uh, NHS England have published their uh, national vaccine strategy. Um, It's quite a lengthy document um, uh, looking at how um, vaccines may be delivered and by whom and where um that there's a lot of considerations they're making as they put it in the document um we're going to look at this document in more detail um, and give some thoughts and comments on those in due course but we just wanted to highlight that that is out although i'm sure most will have seen it but if you haven't we'll put the link in the chat bar as we do for you um, and look out via our usual channels uh, we will publish some thoughts um, and considerations ourselves on that shortly thank you
3: thank you dawn that's really helpful um lisa i think it's your turn Thanks, Louise. Um, uh, This is just to share something that Hampshire and Isle of Wight recently published, um, a shared connection regarding a recent MMR incident that we thought might be um, useful to share across the patch. Um, Zoe, our practice nurse advisor, is just in the process of of drafting her nurse team newsletter. so There will be more information in, in there, so that will go directly to the nursing team, but we thought we'd just give you the heads up as well. The issue is that an MMR vaccine was given to an immunocompromised patient, um, and so he's just suggested that this could be a potential risk with any live vaccination that the team gives, um, and it, maybe it's worth a reminder regarding the importance of ensuring medication treatment or diagnosis from secondary care is correctly recorded on the patient's record. Um, she remarked that from experience, the use of the immunosuppress check as part of the Arden's vaccination template will only be as reliable as what's coded, coded in the records. So it's equally important for immunisers not to just solely rely on this and do pre-admin administration checks. Um, as I say, that's going to go out in more detail to the nursing teams in her newsletter um, very shortly.
0: Lovely, thank you, Lisa. Um and yeah, that's that nursing newsletter will be something to look out for for the nursing team. Um Dawn, um, we're coming to you now, um IIF.
2: Yes, thanks again. Um we have mentioned this uh before on previous webinars. However, we do think it's worthy of a further mention. Um just to ensure practices and PCNs are actually very aware of um, the situation and a possible pitfall, I guess. So the uh, ACCO 8 indicator within the PCN DES, that's the access indicator around um, whether or not a patient has been seen within 14 days, two weeks um, of booking their appointment. And I'm sure you are very aware of that now the exception flags are active in both emis and tpp systems to indicate when an appointment would not be expected to happen within two weeks of booking it may be due to either patient preference or a clinical rationale however please note and i'm i'm sure you will but just in case sorry worrying perhaps too much here um it is noted in the iif guidance for this indicator that these flags will not affect the two week threshold calculation for this financial year. So NHS England are encouraging practices to please use the exception flag functionality um, to support improvements in access uh, in general practice um, by more accurate accurately recognising the appointments, which may be appropriate for booking more than two weeks in advance. But please remember for this year only, those exception flags won't actually have any effect on your actual achievement. You do still um, need to kind of keep an eye on whether you're breaching that or not. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dawn. And don't apologise for worrying on the practice behalf. I think it's just really, it's really lovely that you you're able to read the regulation, read the information, and then un- interpret it and understand what's a real red flag for people. So I think it's all really, really helpful. And Michelle, I think we come to you for um, a cough indicator.
1: Uh- that's right, Louise. Um, so, this is something that was published in the Primary Care Bulletin back on the 7th of December, but just really wanted to highlight to practices um, that there is a new indicator in the COF framework for adults with severe mental illness, so SMI, um, and really just to highlight that it's uh, the number of this indicator is MH021, and it's based on the percentage of patients that with uh, serious mental illness who have received all six elements of the physical health check, um, and that a uh, physical health check includes uh, alcohol consumption, smoking status, BMI, BP, um, so blood pressure and blood lipid and HbA1c glucose tests. So those are the six elements. Um, NHSC are encouraging practices to review the registers to ensure as many patients as possible have had all the six elements of the physical health check. So it's just to highlight there's a new indicator uh, for severe mental, severe mental illness. Um, uh, yeah, and just to highlight that for practices.
0: That's helpful. Thank you, Michelle. I think going back to you, um, Dawn, just the comments come in, the flag's quite hard to manage as it relies on the person booking it to book the appointment and then go back and edit the slot. The options aren't there at the time of booking
2: on EMIS. Makes it tricky, doesn't it? That doesn't sound I'm not sure. I wonder if it's worth contacting the clinical suppliers just to check um that they perhaps have the most up to date version, quite mm-hmm. possible. That does sound um, a bit cumbersome, doesn't it? But it's obviously it does worth sound- it does sound quirky.
0: yes.
3: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Thank you, Ben, for pointing that out. Um, Lisa, I think we're coming to you now. Thank you. So this was in the primary care bulletin on the 7th, so people might have seen it already. Um, it's just to give you the heads up that NHSE have published a revised version of the Enhanced Health and Care, care Homes Framework, um, which sets out the principles for delivering proactive personalised care for people living in care homes. Um, including those with a learning disability or autism, mental ill health or rehab needs. Um, The update reflects best practice, new ways of working since the pandemic, um, including digital technology to improve integrated working and information sharing across health and social care systems. Um, Just to note, it is quite helpful, NHS have put um, a summary within the framework of the contractual requirements required um, so we'll just put those links in the chat now because it's quite a nice summary. So it was just to give people a heads up.
0: Thank you, Lisa. Sorry I couldn't get myself off mute then. Thank you. Um, I just think coming back. Ben, just come back. We do have the most up-to-date or a testing site. Happy chat offline if you want to dial in to see it with a test patient example. Thank you, Ben. That's helpful. Um, we will, I think um, Dawn might well take you up on that offer to have a little bit more. We're always keen to know a bit more about the detail, especially Dawn. So um, that's lovely. Thank you, Ben. That'd be really helpful. Okay. I think we're coming back to you, Dawn, for another, another survey.
2: Yes, sorry, another survey, although this isn't for the practices, it's just for awareness. So um, I'm sure you're all aware every year, um, Ipsos send out on behalf of the uh, government or NHS England, rather, um, a patient survey, Um, a patient survey that consists of no less than 63 questions. Um <clears throat> anyway, to improve uh, uptake of um, replies or responses to that survey, um, th- it has been changed for this year. Um, it is due to launch in January. And that's why we're giving you the heads up, um, because there are some resources that you can use, um, download posters and uh, social media graphics to advertise the survey that's going out, um, it goes out to patients, as I said, but the uh, the change this year, there is a change to the, uh, the questionnaire in how they're asking some of the questions, but equally they're changing the methodology in as much as now they're going to send it out online to patients, by and large. Um, it will only be at the very last reminder, if they don't get responses, that they actually are going to send out a paper survey, which is what they've done in previous years, I believe, So the survey launch is uh, January. Um, I will put the link again in the chat bar for you. Um, It is for the patients, not for the practices, but always good to be aware of. And then later in the year, usually around June, July, those results are all published. The one thing uh, that won't uh, be possible this year, this is another change for the survey this year, uh, previous years, you've been able to see um, comparable uh, results from your previous years. So you can compare, you know, improvements where they um, occur. Unfortunately, there won't be any comparisons to previous years in the trends um, because of the new questionnaire. So these will this will all be new data this year, but no comparables, unfortunately. But we will put that in the chat bar. Uh, This is pre-publication. because you can also, like I said, see all the resources, posters to download and social media graphics, should you want them.
0: Thank you, Don. That's helpful. So back to IIF Another questions come in. With IIF access to general practice within two weeks, if the patient is happy to book booked an appointment that is longer than two weeks, is this allowed? Or should we only be opening our booking system for two weeks maximum? And also, is this for all appointments, including nurse and HCA, as well as GP appointments? do you want to,
2: uh, come in I least want to come in on that yeah no okay that that's um i can probably help with that one um so yes you can book patients more than two weeks in advance it's not that you can't but actually what they're looking at is how many patients from the point of booking have been seen within a 14 uh, two week 14 day window um now because not all patients will be want to be seen Within that, because of the obvious reasons of their own preference, sometimes a clinical rationale, such as, you know, pe- uh, Dr. seen a patient and said, um, <clears throat> I'd like to see you again for five weeks time, whatever for six weeks time. Um, and the patient goes out and obviously wants to book an appointment there and then to make sure they get one. All of a sudden, they've already breached that two week So there will be those occasions and it's understood that there'll be those occasions. And the thresholds for this indicator this year, NHS England say, have been set low enough to make allowance for all those appointments that won't be within that two week window. Whether that's right or not, I, I, I wouldn't like to say, but they have lowered the thresholds. They, they think sufficiently enough to make allowance for that. Now, as for who uh, this needs to be for, um, I would say you need to have a look at the appointment category criteria, because there are an awful lot of appointment categories and it doesn't include all of them in the two week one so rather than me say it's this one this one and this one because there's a lot of them you need to have a look and i'll put i'll go away and find it there's a link to all the gp um category appointments and you'll be able to see which ones is actually relevant to
0: Really that's helpful, that, yeah. But no, that's really helpful. So hopefully that's helpful. Um, come back. Um, it's, I can't see who's who's asked that question actually. But if you want to come back on that, that's always happy to go, go through some more information with you on that one. But really helpful. Thank you, Dawn. That was brilliant. Um, something about the spine
3: now, Lisa. Thanks, Louise. So this was an NHSD alert. They've uh, recently identified that some patient records in the spine correct uh, contained incorrect mobile and landline numbers. Um, they have removed the incorrect details from those patient records held in the spine. And all those GP practices affected by this have been contacted and informed directly. <clears throat> but they have noticed that some incorrect contact details are being uploaded into the central spine um, and have asked practices to be aware that if there is a difference between contact details held in your local <coughs> GP IT system and the spine. Sorry, I'm going to cough. You must confirm that the information you hold is correct.
1: So, this will upload the information held in System 1 into the spine. EMIS EMIS users, gosh, I can't speak today, um, should only select details from the local record and press the OK button if they have confirmed the contact details contained in the EMIS patient record are correct. This will upload the information held in EMIS into the spine. Users can close the pop-up window if they do not want to upload locally held contact information into the spine.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Well recovered. Hopefully you're all right there, Lisa. Um, Dawn, I think we're coming
2: to you for um the pronouncement item on pensions. Yes, thank you, Louise. This is just a, a heads up really. PCSE um, are now starting the 22-23 end-of-year pension processes. Um, and they are going to um, send out um, sort of supporting information and communications directly, they say, to uh, scheme members and also advisors and accountants. Um, but this is just the heads up that they're just starting that. So nothing's going to happen immediately. Um, but they are PCSA hosting a series of webinars throughout January and February. If you would like to register for one of those um, all about the 22-23 end-of-year pension process. So it might be worth um, considering joining one of those webinars in January and February.
0: Thank you. And we'll be running some training for um, practice managers and managers and for staff on the pension scheme next year. Um, so that, not doctors, this would be for you and for your staff and how to administer the scheme. It seems to be getting more and more complicated, to be honest, um, but we're happy to help where we can. So we're putting on some training, if that would be helpful for you next year. I think just uh, um, something else just on the IAF access, Dawn, um, is the link on our website? Julia's just asked that. I'm sure it is. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, so, but we will we will put it with the chat, Julie. Um, and I think that you've probably put it in there, actually, haven't you, Dawn? Yes, it's, it's in the chat. The links in the chat there already. So, Julie, hopefully, you, you've managed to grab that.
2: If you okay, can't, find, so yeah, go on, Dawn. If you can't find it, please do email in, and I'll send you whatever you need. Yes, right. we're always always happy to do that. We know. It also, sometimes
0: I think it's is it sort of information overload, but actually can't actually find the information you need. Sometimes we know it's hard. Um, so please ask us for that. We're always very happy, um, and we just thought we'd end on a festive note because obviously this is our this is our um, last last episode of our um, practice manager update webinar before Christmas. And I heard this on the radio, and it amused me, and I shared it with the office and managed to distract most people in the office with it because it is quite amusing. So I heard on the radio this morning a team in the UK called Find My Past have scoured through more than 14 billion digitised historical documents going back 500 years to compile a list of names. Given to babies born at this time of year so obviously there were some that were really traditional names so ivy was the most popular festive themed name with two and a half million occurrences also nicholas mary angel holly so all the ones you'd expect but also 2827 children were named sprout 293 were named bauble and 37 children were named eggnog so that just amused us. And I just might amuse you. And I think we just need to file those sort of um, find a little bit of joy when we can. We know it's really hard. And we just hope that you have the most amazing Christmas, that you'll manage to get some downtime, which is really important for you. You really deserve a fantastic break. And we will see you again in the new year. We will be back, well, some of us will be back on Wednesday, the 3rd of January at one o'clock. And we hope to see you then and have a really good festive break. And take care. Thanks for joining us to us. Bye.